Two girls talking. You know what that means. It's time to talk. What's going on in the world? How about your business? How about your life? Let's talk it out. Two girls talking. Hey everybody, it's Anna. And it's Ashley. And I am so excited about our guest today. She is my friend and also a fellow publicist and publicity rock star, Christy Dosh. She, yay! Okay, so a couple more intros because you're gonna need to know a lot about her because she's got a lot of amazing credentials here. She's founder of publicity firm Guide My Brand. She's also an author. She's a recovering lawyer and also a, a sports former sports reporter. Christy, welcome. We're so happy to have you today. We are excited. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yay. So we have a lot to talk about. We're going to dive in and talk about your business and we have a lot of business focused questions. But first, we want to just tell our audience a little bit about you. You have quite the background, lawyer, sports right. reporter, publicist, author. Yeah. So tell us about your path. How'd, yeah. How'd you, yeah. What, how'd you get to where you are today? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of unexpected twists and turns. Um, so I always wanted to be a lawyer. I knew from the time I was a small child, my mom said at five, I started telling her I wanted to be a lawyer and I never changed my mind. I worked in a law firm in college. I worked in another law firm for a year between college and law school like I knew that was what I wanted to do I ended up with a job at the exact law firm I wanted to work out you know my whole life was yeah. going according to plan and you know what happens no one's you like decide, did you decide like you that. didn't like it well I mean well intervenes yeah. right right Honestly, you know you have these like perfect plans and <laughs> it yeah. just never works out like that so unfortunately the area of law I chose was at an inopportune time I was doing uh, mortgage-backed uh, securities oh and that was in 2007 when I graduated law school and the market tanked pretty soon thereafter mostly because of commercial mortgage-backed securities. Yeah, so exactly, right? uh, pretty yes. quickly after starting my law firm job, my like work went away. I still worked at the firm and I got moved around to other departments and I learned how to do other areas of the law. I worked at a fantastic law firm my first few years. Couldn't have had a better experience. So although I have friends who are lawyers who are like, how did you get out? Teach me your ways. Yeah. Right? I, I always feel bad telling them I wasn't looking to get out. <laughs> that's the best uh, way. Yeah. Right. I mean, that is like, if, if Marcy Moberg would tell you, that's just the universe telling you it's the right move. Yeah, it's the right move. Right. Oh my gosh, I'm like hanging by the edge of my seat. Like, tell no. me more what happened next. <laughs> Well, so I would have to go into work every day, but a lot of times there wasn't that much work to do for like a couple of years. Um, that just wasn't for me. That was for a lot of young associates. So I did what any reasonable person would do. And I sat at work and Oh, hold on. Logged all day. Uh, wait, hold on. <laughs> and wait, wait, stop. Say that again. You sat, started over at, you sat and did something all day because it, it broke up and I had to, t yeah. I took our audio, our video off just. Just as, hopefully it'll, it'll yeah. flow better. You want me to take my video off too and see if that helps? Whatever yeah, video sometimes it. makes yeah. it slow. Okay. Go ahead. Sometimes the video makes it a little wonky. Yeah. Um, okay. So when I found myself with no work to do every day, I turned to blogging. This was like 2008, 2009. I had blogged through law school about legal issues in sports because I'm a huge sports fan. And I sort of just picked that back up to have something to do. I needed a creative outlet and I couldn't just sit in my office and like stare at the wall all day. So I blogged. <laughs> yeah, A lot of people can. A lot of people can just sit there yeah. and do, that's just, I mean, it's, 
it's not in me. That's what just oh, made me decide I wanted yeah. to be an entrepreneur because I couldn't do it. Anyways, okay, keep going. No, <laughs> I can't do it at all. So I was really lucky that that led to opportunities to guest post on other sites, really small sites. We're not talking about big things that anyone. Okay, stop again, stop again. Let's go back, pick it up. It was just really other. Christy, Christy. Yeah, can you yeah. pick it up with? that led to an opportunity because we had some audio yep. visual additional glitch you guys want me to try to call in no we're good no, no, I think it's, okay it doesn't have to i don't know if it's mine or not it's not saying anything on my end but that doesn't mean anything yeah, yeah. that's okay okay sorry where am i picking up um where you said um it your blogging led to yeah oh, okay so blogging on my own little free WordPress site led to opportunities to guest post on other sports websites. And we're not talking big sports websites that you've ever heard of. These were just other single individuals who had their own sports websites and we got to know each other on social media and yeah. we would start trading posts on each other's websites. Right. And one of those people I developed a great relationship with. And after a couple of years, he was picked up by Forbes to be a contributor in their sports money section oh, that's great. and yeah so through that I started reading the Forbes sports money section more and one day I read a piece by an editor of the section and there was something he said I disagreed with it was something I had done a lot of research around it was a legal issue and in fact I had just gotten a book deal to write an entire book on this particular issue oh, so yeah. So uh, yeah, small piece, I guess I left out was my blogging got me a book deal. <laughs> and then yeah. um, to me, the bigger turning point was reaching out to this editor at Forbes and sort of giving him feedback on his piece in a really nice way. I buttered him up. I told him how much I loved his work. And I yeah. said, but I read this thing you wrote recently and here's what I think about it. And he ended up emailing me back and he had checked out my blog and he offered me a contributor role at Forbes. So people ask me all the time, how do I start contributing for Forbes because I've been there for a decade now and yes. I always tell them you probably can't duplicate what I did because I wasn't trying to become a contributor yeah <laughs> yeah that's amazing. there are certainly ways to do it but mine maybe can't be duplicated yeah totally <laughs> but you know those are like those are the best things like one of the things that that one of a, a dear friend of mine and a, another business uh, a one exec who's a client and a friend she said to me she said, I always say yes to opportunity. Mm -hmm. yes. And I know there comes a point in our businesses where we have to start saying no. Yeah, totally. Because it has to be the right one for us. But when there is an opportunity, you should take it. Yeah. The, the worst thing, uh, the worst Especially thing when it's Forbes, you're exactly. like, hello, yes. <laughs> yeah, so it's fabulous. So what happened after that? You, you became a Forbes contributor. Yeah, so I contributed for Forbes for close to two years. Um, that led to a lot of other amazing opportunities. I always say I really, truly believe that Forbes changed my career path because it gave me a bigger platform. You know, I was on this free little WordPress site on my own that no one read, including my own parents. And then all of a sudden I was on Forbes. Yeah. <laughs> so then your parents and were like, oh, wait, maybe we need to start reading what Christy's writing. Right. I still don't know that they ever read it, but that's yeah. fine. <laughs> 
so I, um, I started getting opportunities to do radio interviews. I started getting opportunities to, um, you know, be interviewed and quoted on other sites, a lot of bigger sites, and especially in the sports field, like ESPN and Fox Sports, they were linking to pieces I was writing at Forbes because I found a niche that at the time no one else was writing about. And I really zeroed in on that one very niche topic, which was the business of college sports, particularly the business of college football. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people who cover that now, but in 2009, 2010, when I was doing it, no one else was covering it. You were like prescient. Yeah. And also like not a lot of women talking about it. There's still not a lot of women talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, you really are. Really. (laughs) Honestly, right? That, that portends to what is happening today. I mean, kudos to you. Yeah. Wow. You got to go. Yeah. You ladies. Um, so that is what led to probably the biggest opportunities for me was really narrowing down to that niche that wasn't crowded and where I could really display some expertise. And there were things I could review and write about because of my legal background that maybe some of my journalism peers couldn't because I could read a contract and maybe catch little nuances that someone who hadn't been to law school just might not, um, you know, might not highlight when they're going through a contract, not to say that they're not, you know, they're, they certainly know other things that I don't, but I found that niche for myself that incorporated my own background and experience in a unique way. And that allowed me to get a lot of media attention for the things I was writing about. And I was lucky that I was in the right place at the right time. I mean, as I was getting more interested in it, this huge wave of conference realignment happened in college football. For people who follow college football at all, you'll be familiar with when all that happened and schools yeah. started moving around to different yeah. conferences yeah. and, and bigger big television yeah. contracts. My yeah. big 12 was almost emaciated. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So it was the right place at the right time because that stuff was blowing up and I was someone who had already been writing about financial and business issues in college football. I was just in a really good position to kind of capitalize on the trending news that was happening at the time. And that led to more radio interviews and it led to TV interviews and it led to being interviewed by major publications. And that got the attention of ESPN. And um, it's obviously a more involved story than this, but ESPN ended up hiring me away from my law practice and I became their first ever and still only female sports business reporter. So So amazing. (laughs) That was a huge deal for me. Um, but it also was super scary. I mean, I never actually considered saying, yeah, anytime I think that you go, you know, through the jungle with your machete and cutting your own way, that is going to be kind of scary, but wow. And, and at a time, what year was this? I'm just curious because like at a time when truly there are no women sports reporters, well, right? yeah. now there are more, yeah, but there's so much more now. Yeah. It was 2011. And honestly, the problem in sports continues to be, my husband works in sports radio and the problem in sports continues to be, there are women in television who cover sports. Yeah. Um, you know, women see other women being sideline reporters reporters and in-studio hosts. And so they're aware that those are jobs that are available, but there are very, very few women across the country who are writing about sports or who are on the radio talking about sports. And because there are so few young women coming up, don't consider those viable positions. Yes. You've got Sally Jensen here at the Washington Post. You have, Mm -hmm. you know, Christine Brennan at USA Today who, yes, she's excellent. Yeah, Yeah. she she is really excellent. I've, I've met her 
several times as as every as all of our listeners know we Ashley and I live in the DMV yeah um so I run across her I run across paths with her a few times but she's friends of friends and so she's I love reading both of their stuff and what I like most about it is it's a completely different take on a subject so many people are learning writing and and, and reading about yeah Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, there's still a lot of opportunity out there for subject matter experts within sports. And certainly that's true in yeah. other industries, but yeah. there's a lot of room for subject matter sport uh, experts in sports. And I'm not sure that people always recognize that. Like they're a sports fan and they watch games at night and maybe they go into work at a big five accounting firm every day and they don't think about how they could apply that accounting knowledge to doing something in the sports field that maybe they would enjoy more than the job they currently have. You know, I think we, especially those of us who have professional degrees and get into these kind of cushy six figure sort of jobs, mm -hmm. you get very, you put on blinders to other opportunities. And so when I go speak to law students, I often get asked towards the end by the professor or whoever's hosting, like what's the one biggest piece of advice you would give to students? Right. And I always say, do not put on blinders, be open to opportunities because whatever it is yeah. you think you want to do right now, you shouldn't box yourself into that for the rest of your life. Because quite frankly, I did. And had the downturn not happened, I fully believe that right now today, I would be sitting in an office in a big law firm working 12, 14 hour days practicing corporate law. Right. That's amazing advice for anyone, not just it for is. law students, but no, like, is. I mean, Anna for and I anybody. have yeah. like, you know, as former journalists that like, I, right. I, you had asked me 10 years ago that I was going to own a PR firm. I would have been like, what are you talking about? Right. Right. Our, if our, you told me that when I was coming out of law school, that somehow this whole path was going to lead not only to journalism, but to owning a PR agency, I definitely would have laughed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so let's talk let's about like your that. transition yeah. to owning a PR agency, because that's like going from lawyer, author, yeah. to <laughs> I am most curious about jumping from that to publicity. Yeah, and it, when I tell the story, it actually makes more sense than if somebody were to just look at my resume, I think, because what happened is I stayed at ESPN for two years. I was on a two-year contract and stayed the two years, and as I was leaving, my my personal life had changed. I had gotten engaged. My husband had gotten, we were in Atlanta, and he'd gotten a job down in Florida, so we had moved to Florida. For ESPN, I had been able to work remotely, so it didn't matter where I lived, and as I started to look around for other sports business reporting jobs, they wanted me to move to LA or New York or South right. Florida yeah. and we had yeah. just moved and yeah. we loved where we were and my yeah. husband loved his job so there just quite frankly weren't any opportunities in the sports business field full-time I got a lot of opportunities for freelance writing um, but not obviously making the kind of money I had been making full-time and so I started just casually looking through job postings on LinkedIn while doing my freelance writing. And I saw one for a PR agency that was looking for a remote publicist and their specialty was working with law firms. And what they said they wanted was a great writer who had some sort of legal background. And I thought, oh, you know, Yahtzee, that's me. <laughs> yeah. It's like it had, it was written for you. Right. Because what I knew at that point was that I loved to write. When I looked yeah. back, I realized yeah. what I loved about practicing law was that I was a transactional attorney and I wrote right. documents all day yes. and I enjoyed writing. Then I went to ESPN and I wrote about sports and yes, that was more fun than writing bank documents, but you know, yeah. still at the core of it was this love of right. writing. Yeah. And 
at ESPN, I freelanced for Glamour and Men's Health and Women's Day and Parents. And I wrote about online dating and networking and all sorts yeah. of other topics outside of sports right. and just developed this right. love of writing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this job was perfect. It was focused on writing. It was mostly ghostwriting for attorneys. And that's why they were looking for somebody who had a legal background. They wanted somebody who could talk to an attorney, hear the attorney's legal ease, and then turn that into a blog or a, you know, a journal article or something that the average consumer could understand. Absolutely. Wow. So I, you know, it, it was a, it, when you look at it on paper, it's like, okay, I went from being a lawyer to being a journalist to being in PR. It doesn't make as much sense as when you sort of hear the story and there's this common thread of loving right. writing, but also writing. Quite frankly, that legal background played into, you know, both the journalism job and the PR job. And yeah. I had never imagined working in PR, but I knew I loved to write and that I loved the law. I just didn't want to go back to practicing law. Right. <laughs> well, it's so interesting because when you write what you've written, you know, you, obviously you, you went into law because you like debate, you like the law, but there, there's always a part of, of, I think every lawyer that likes debate, there's, just, there's an argument, state your case. And that's kind of always what you've done, even with your writing. In sports, you wrote, but you stated your case about mm -hmm. college football. And now, you know, you moved on. You said you were writing about this, you were writing about that. It's mm -hmm. always about writing, which is always creative in itself, but it also brings out your lawyer, at least for you, the lawyer part of you, in a debate and an argument of, of which, you know, you're putting out all the facts, you're stating your case. So I see it all working together for you all the way back to your lawyer, uh, your lawyer. Yeah. And yeah. In law, we talk about being a zealous advocate for your client. Yes. And yes. I still feel that way on the publicity side. And Ashley, you probably do too. Like I am a zealous advocate for every single one of my publicity clients. Yes. I am going to, you know, pitch them and be their biggest cheerleader. And yes. when somebody says no, I'm going to fight harder to get yep. the yes. Like yes. Really you are the same thing. my language. Yes. My, 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 you're like my soul sister. I'm like, <laughs> what I say. I'm like my client's <laughs> biggest cheerleader. Okay. So I'm curious for you, Christy, like you started the PR firm, but then what point did you decide to branch off on your own? And I think this is really important for our audience, for anyone who's really thinking about branching off on their own. Like it's a big risk. It was probably really scary, but it is. you made yeah. this decision. So I'm curious when you decided to, to launch Guide My Brand. Yeah, I feel like I'm one of the few entrepreneurs I ever talked to who tell me they didn't actually mean to become an entrepreneur because I did not. <laughs> I yeah. never wanted to be one. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. And there are still some days I don't want to be one, but <laughs> I, I think we all have those. We talk about that all the time. Yes. Ash and I are yes. We became entrepreneurs because almost accidentally for me. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. well, we we both when we left Energy Now. Yeah. So our we show left. that we were on, um, yeah. Anna was my boss. She was the executive producer. I was senior booker and producer. It was canceled. Right. <laughs> and so we were like, no. We'll be crap. <laughs> um, I mean, the funding went away. Yeah. So yeah. it was like Im immediately, I mean, I get, you know, and we could have, I guess if we had taken a step back, we could have, you know, hung out for a month or so and just trying to figure out what we want to do. But we didn't because that's not Ashley and I. We no. jumped. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know we jump head first and, and yeah. hope our feet follow us. But um, and that's kind of what we did when we both started our companies. Right? Yeah. We well, just, I think there's no, yeah, so I relate to you on that level. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, so you just decided, was it like an accident? You're like, okay, here, this, 
here's this little thing I'm going to try? Like what happened? Well, it was a little more intentional than that in that I was in discussions to become a partner in the agency that I was at. And as we went through the process of, you know, that's not something you should take lightly. I mean, I I hired an attorney and he said, this is like getting married. So you also have to think about what it's going to be like one day when you get divorced. (laughs) And we were kind of working through what was my real like vision for my career and the types of clients I liked working with. And anyway, what we figured out during the process is the type of client I liked working with the most was not the same as the owner of the agency. Um, She preferred much bigger institutional clients Mm -hmm. and I preferred working with like individuals, um, either with authors or with solo entrepreneurs. Um, And I, I liked having that impact on one person and positioning one person as a thought leader versus trying to get coverage for an entire corporate entity. And so she and I just weren't on the same page about that. And that's fine. We're still good friends. We've worked on projects together since then, but it didn't make sense for me to continue in her agency when that was the direction she was headed. And it's been four and a half years now. And she very much went in that direction. And I did not, I went down to working with mostly individuals. Yeah. I think, that is so important that you recognize that and acted yep. upon it because I know that there are a lot of people who don't. I mean, that it's really important. We talk about this all the time. We, we were just talking about this with um, with Jenny uh, a couple of weeks ago and finding the client that is right for you mm-hmm. is so much more important than finding a client. Right. Or, or, or being a partner at a company. Or, or, exactly. I mean, those, <laughs> those can be your big dreams. So yeah. When you really start to get into something and it becomes your passion, and I say this to my clients all the time, or I say this about my clients, you know, what we think we want is not really what we want when we get it. Yeah, you know, exactly. And so I think that's really, that's, that's really, really smart that you recognize that, that your friend recognized that, and you were able to go on and do your own thing and, you know, be successful, your definition of success for what you need to do. Because I don't think that a lot of people. And for what you want to do and the types of clients you want to bring in. It's, it's, you know, for you, I know it's authors and women owned businesses. So here's my question to you. You're, you're several years into your business right now. You launched in 2014, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes. So I'm about four and a half years. Okay. Four and a half years. That's amazing. Um, Congratulations. Because I feel like you have surpassed most businesses. I mean, a majority of businesses fail within the first year. So here you are several years later. And um, one question that I wanted to ask was about growth and whether it's the right thing to do. Anna and I talk about this all the time because as business owners, we hear and see it everywhere. Grow your business, scale your business. Business And and I I come with the belief that, that, growing your business, it could be the worst thing for your business. And mm-hmm. I talk about one of my old clients, Paul Jarvis, who wrote, who wrote a book about like how growth right, right. could and be we, detrimental. And we actually did a whole, did mm-hmm. a whole podcast. Yeah. So I'm yeah. curious for your take on this. So where do you stand now that you're several years into a very successful PR firm, which, what's your feeling on growth and the pressure that you feel to grow and scale your business? It has been hard because I feel like the, you know, business coaches and a lot of the conventional wisdom that you get surrounded by as an entrepreneur is that you constantly need to have these, you know, bigger, more grandiose goals and everything is about scaling and growing and taking yourself out of your business. And I've always really struggled with that for a couple of different reasons. Um, You know, one being that I know who I like working with and it is solo individuals. So a solo entrepreneur or an author 
author. And quite frankly, there is a ceiling to how much you can charge an individual right. person. And Definitely. so a lot of the advice I've gotten over the years from coaches have been, well, you should be able to charge more. Your retainer should be more, you know, other yeah. PR firms are charging, you know, this much more than you are. And I'm like, yeah. And they're representing, you know, companies that bring in millions of dollars a year. I'm representing, you know, a, a nonfiction author who's a professor that makes, you know, $70,000 a year or whatever. Right, right. There's a financial reality to the type of people I like to work with. And I have had coaches flat out tell me, well, you, you know, you need to dream bigger and work with bigger people. Yep. Well, yep. I don't want to. Those yep. aren't the people right. I want to serve. They're so aligned on that, Chrissy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I think that it's, and, we, and Ashley and I have done podcasts on this before too, but the definition of success is different for everyone. Yeah. And yeah. I don't believe that there's any right or wrong definition. It's just what's right or wrong for you. And mm -hmm. I tend to think that a lot of these business coaches, and you know, I don't know about you guys, but I am bombarded with people who will come to me and say, let me help you grow your business and yep. you do this and I'll do this for you and we'll do this. And those are all great. None of them are bad. And some of them, I, and I work with some of them and because they're like-minded mm -hmm. like me and they're really fabulous, but some of them are just not for me. They yeah. are definitions of yeah. success are well, different. What frustrates me is that, and I've had some great ones. I have had a business coach every year that I've been in business and I've moved to a different one each year. And the oh, ones sure. I've had, I've had great experiences with, um, but some of the conversations I've had with ones I didn't choose to work with, you know, if, if you don't have these dreams of making, you know, a million dollars plus a year, they tell you, oh, well, you need to work on your mindset. No, this is not a mindset issue. Yeah. It is about the type of work I enjoy doing and the That's type of right. work I enjoy doing lends itself to, I think, a different business model than they are proposing. And so I get really frustrated with that. And the, the most popular newsletter I ever wrote, I think it's been a couple of years ago now, but most popular in terms of the number of people who hit reply and sent me a message was a newsletter I wrote where I said, it is not my goal to make a million dollars a year in my business. And I talked about why and how that's such an artificial goal and how so many of the people who are making a million a year in their business are spending, you know, 995,000 to get there. Yes, 100%. <laughs> right. Right. Like that, yeah. It means nothing to say that your business makes a million dollars a year. And why is that your goal? Like, why are you, why is that what you're fixated on? What I'm fixated on is enjoying what I sit at my desk and do every day. And yeah. That, you know, that to me has nothing to do with making a million dollars a year. And in fact, I don't think I can get to a million dollars a year with the business model. Yeah. But you're happy with Why? who you're serving. It fulfills right. you. Absolutely. I think that's, that's the point of what we're doing, right? Know, it, it, just to, to, to fill our souls. Yeah. Fill our souls yeah. That. And one of the people are not one of the people, the people, a lot of the people that you serve are women. And so yes. we love that. And we do. We are so supportive um, of that. And I think that's the majority of our audience. Too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, except, for, except for our friend, John Valente, because he's, he's always a loyal listener. Love yeah. you, John. <laughs> um, so let me ask you, you uh, uh, part of your main audience for you, your clients are women. So why did you decide to make women your main focus? 
Yeah, so we do. It's funny because I only market to women and yet we still have male clients. So I, I talk okay. to a lot of people who are building their business and they're like, but if I only write my messaging to women, you know, I'll never get male clients. Not true at all. We get male clients all the time, despite yeah. only speaking to women. But women, we at least in our business, we find we have to speak to a little bit differently because Absolutely. many yeah. of the women we that come to us, the first conversation we have with them is all about them talking about how they're not enough. They don't have enough degrees. They don't make enough money. They haven't been in business long enough. You know, it's all these enoughness statements. And over time, I just realized that women really are holding themselves back from opportunities to be seen and be heard. And I saw this study that was done um, and it said that only 19% of experts who are featured in mainstream media are women. And my first thought was, oh, you know, these like producers and editors, they're discriminating against women. And then thankfully I read the rest of the study and it said, that's not it at all. That if you talk to bookers and I did, and you guys have experience with this, but I went and talked to some of the bookers I've worked with before. And I said, how many women pitch themselves to be on your show or pitch themselves to write for your magazine or your website. And that's the problem. Women aren't pitching themselves and men are. So it's just easier for bookers and editors. Absolutely. And I don't know why that is. Why do you think that is? Like, I feel like women are feeling stuck, fearful. They're not enough. Like, is that the reason why? I've read whole books on this, so okay. anything, I can condense like this down. <laughs> and it really, most of the books I've read on it, and I go into, um, I, I do a lot of speaking in male-dominated companies or industries mm-hmm. where I talk to women about how to promote themselves internally to like move mm-hmm. up the corporate ladder. So a little separate from my publicity work, but because I've worked in you know law and sports that are male-dominated, I grew this real interest in helping women move up even in corporate positions. Um, And then obviously my work centers on entrepreneurs and authors, but all the books that I've read kind of boil down to historically women have been uh, associated with certain traits and men have been associated with different traits. And we expect women, we expect ourselves as women even to act in certain ways. And there are certain traits that if a man displays are fine, but if a woman displays it, you know, we get negative labels and, you know, I mean, again, whole books written on this topic, but you know, a woman will be called bossy, you know, when a man is called assertive or, you know, you've heard all that kind of stuff. I, I remember when we were at Energy Now, uh, that's our old show. That's our old show. Yeah. Uh, and his, he, I won't repeat it. I won't say his name, but he's a friend of mine and he didn't mean this badly, but he said to me, he said, Anna, I've always thought of you as a ball breaker. And at first when he said that to me, I was like, Oh my God, no, I'm not. I'm so nice. What are you talking about? <laughs> and then I realized later on, he didn't mean it in a bad way. For right. him, it was just like a statement out there and I was okay. And then I embraced it. But the initial shock was oh you see me like that like clutching my purse. yeah yeah and yeah then I was kind of but but he didn't have a problem with it because you know he's a good friend of mine and I love him but um he had no problem seeing me that way it was me that was mm-hmm. having the problem seeing me that yeah. way until I actually saw myself that way and I'm good with it well, like women it. want to be liked by everyone. We tend, you know, these yeah. are big yeah. generalities. Obviously not every woman's like yeah. this, but we're people pleasers. And we've been taught that being modest is 
you know, a good trait. And not to say that it's not, but that modesty often holds women back from seeking out these publicity opportunities. And so we spend a lot of time in the beginning, and I'm sure Ashley, you do too, you know, walking through with our clients, no, you know, here's why you are an expert at what you do. And here's how we could position you. And here's the types of opportunities we think are available to you right now with exactly who you are. And here's why people need to hear what you have to say. And what I always tell women is, you know, they think it feels icky because they're self-promoting. And I always tell them, okay, you're looking at this the wrong way. It's actually not about you at all. It is about the person out there who needs to hear what you have to say because they're somehow stuck or misinformed or what have you. And you, you have the knowledge they need and you're being selfish because you're holding it back because you're so afraid to get out in public and share it. <laughs> yes, I love that. It's like they have a responsibility to share yes. their well because they're going to help so many people. And that's yes. why people, Christy, like you and I are so passionate about helping people connect them with the media because we help them spread their messages. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So one of the things, do you want to ask? Yeah, well, okay. So one of the other things, this is um, one of our last questions um, that we've learned, Anne and I talk a lot about self-care here. Yeah. So if you're not taking care of yourself first, now that we're like business owners, mm -hmm. I've learned this the very hard way. If you don't <laughs> take care of yourself, you cannot take care of your business. You can't serve your clients well. But like, because we love our businesses, we want to work on our businesses all the all time. time. If you don't yeah. step away and take a break, it's going to be at the loss of yes. your clients and the people you serve. So your tell sanity. us, yeah, your sanity, your yeah. mental, <laughs> your emotional, your physical, all that. So tell us about some of your favorite self-care and self-comfort practices as a business owner. Yeah, so I'd say I have two big ones that I'm good at sticking to. I have others that are sort of aspirational, but I have two that I, are non-negotiable kind of things for me. Um, the first is setting boundaries as far as when I'm available to clients. I was not great at that in the beginning. It was one of those things where you were just so thankful anyone was willing to pay you money. You would do anything for them. And I often, I think, let clients um, take advantage of me and walk all over me. And, um, you know, not every client did it, but I certainly had some along the way who just didn't treat me with respect, but it's because I wasn't setting boundaries. And so an important boundary for me is that I, unless it's an emergency, I don't take calls before 10 AM or after 6 PM. Like right, that's right. sort of my window. Now, certainly there have been instances where someone needed me to accommodate them for a reason. And I can be flexible in those situations, but I really try to hold on to that so that I have time with my husband and with my friends yeah. and just for that downtime that I need. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's, it's so boundaries important. are so important. Yeah, I learned that the hard way too. And we talk, <laughs> we know, talk we a talk lot about, about boundaries. Well, especially because especially when you first get started, and we did this too. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we took every job. I took even calls. Though we knew it wasn't a exactly. Yeah, we were I mean, just doing it all. Yeah. But now I don't take calls on Fridays at all. For, right. Like unless, of course, I'm always available, and like I definitely do. Like I don't have any scheduled calls right. with clients on Fridays because I need that time to myself nor do I have scheduled calls to clients on Monday mornings because I need yep. that time to like really get the business running for the week. But we really are soul sisters. I'm the same way. I block out my Monday mornings and I block out my, I, I, I do take calls Friday morning, but I block out from lunch on on Friday. Yeah, good. Oh my gosh. I love us. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we like run our companies together. It's so fun. Okay. So Christy, tell us, wait, did you have one more? You said you had oh, one. Yeah. So my other one is, you know, I always tell people I, like, I don't buy expensive cars or jewelry or purses or shoes or clothes. I, like, I'm in like yoga pants every day because I work from home. However, my big like splurge item for myself is that I live near a Ritz Carlton resort and they have a very nice spa. And because I live um, on a small island, which sounds more glamorous than it really is, but because I live in a small town, this Ritz depends on tourism and there's times of the year that they're not tourism heavy. And so they developed a spa membership where you get one free treatment a month and then you get your other treatments at a really discounted price. And you can use the spa facilities all day, every day, if you want. So like they've got an indoor pool, an outdoor pool, they've got, you know, hot tubs, steam rooms, they've got a nice quiet reading room. Like it's mm. the most tranquil environment. It just, when I walk in, I can literally feel the stress leave my body. The minute I walk in the door, they have this like signature scent that they like have candles burning and whatever. And you walk in and you smell that and everything just like releases away. Right. So my big splurge is pain for that membership and treating myself to at least one massage a month and several days a month where I just go hang out there for an afternoon. And that, I think that's great. It's, and we're going to so join you there? Yes, you should. vacation <laughs> down here. I will take you to the spa. Well, we will have so much fun. Two girls talking on the road. Yes, the first stop will be with Christy at the race. Yeah, yeah. do. I love it. All right, so Christy, tell everyone where we can, where they can find more information about you and your work. Yes. So the easiest place to find me um, is my website or on social media and it's all guide my brand. So guidemybrand.com. And then we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of it is just at guide my brand. Um, so hopefully we're easy to find. I've got two other great publicists on my team and uh, you know, we're always happy to point you towards free resources or see if we're a good fit or if we have someone like Ashley, you know, my, my favorite thing about this industry is I've met so many other publicists right. that I've developed these great relationships with and we all like different kinds of clients. And yep. so if I get on the phone with somebody who's a better fit for Ashley or she gets on the phone with somebody who's a better fit for me, you know, we're referring people back and forth or jumping in and helping each other's client. And I think that that's such a special part of this industry that quite frankly, I did not experience in law or sports. <laughs> yeah, it's all about yeah. collaboration and not competition. And I just yeah. find so many amazing like-minded mm -hmm. publicists that, as you said, that may be a better fit for you than for me. And I just love that we're all helping each other and supporting right. each other. Um, it's just such a great industry to be in. Yeah. I feel all the love I, from all my publicity friends. What are, what are the things that I tell people, and Ashley was, was, we were talking about this last week when we were, we were taping, um, I tell people to sing their competitors' praises. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. No but it's like we're not even competitors. No, like, I know. It's, but that's what I mean is that, yeah. you know, everybody should be learning from everybody. Yes. The good and the bad. And supporting each Absolutely. other. Is this what it's all about? Yes. So, Christy, yes. this has been amazing. Thank you so much. I find that there's so much value in this interview. I've learned stuff. I know our audience has. So, thank you for taking the time to share your story with us today and uh we're so grateful i know yes i i I, th I think your story is so interesting and i think that you know your path to your success can really open eyes for other people it doesn't have to be 
one lane. Yeah, you know? that's and, a whole book in itself. That's yeah. your next book right there. Exactly. <laughs> take that path not taken. Yeah, not very well I love it. Yet. Well, thank oh. you, Christy. Thanks a lot, Christy. Thanks for having me, ladies. You're welcome. And uh, uh, listeners, thank you guys for being here with us. Yeah. Can't wait to talk to you. Yeah. And if you like the episode, tell us and share it and write us a review. We'd love to hear what you think of of the show. And if there's any other topics or guest recommendations you have, reach out to us. Absolutely. You can can always email us at twogirlstalkingpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. All right. See you next time. Bye.